This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Live commentary. In on two sides of crazy fire. Steps away from the attention to Smith. Fire now. Finds Bay and Fennick. Bay and Fennick. Pass two, pass three. He's clipped there, but he's still going. The referee plays advantage. That's a penalty! Bay and Fennick. Must have taken on, must have taken on five players, beat the lot, and a pat down in the penalty area. Live interviews. When I was using my Matilio Lombardi to give me lessons, and I said to him, one day you're gonna, I said to him, one day you're gonna, I'm gonna be playing with you. And it to be that he was the one that I remember him going down to the line and just crossing it back and me sliding in with my left foot all them years ago and putting it in. And I think, I, I, I remember it and I know nearly every Sheffield Wednesday fan remember it because they keep telling me about it now. Expert analysis. It's hard to actually stop naming players. Gus out. Oops. Uh, you know what I mean? Say again. Hello. All right, there. Okay. That was strange. You just said Hello. Well, most of the time, anyway. Homesdale Radio, www.holradio.net. Hi, and welcome to Homesdale Radio. Uh, what you're about to hear is our interview with Peter Ramage. Um, just a quick warning for you. First couple of minutes, audio quality is a little bit low, but it sorts itself out very, very quickly. And it's a cracking interview, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, it is. This is a, a 12 and over warning as well. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't know. Do we swear? I don't think we swear. It's brilliant, no. honestly. Brilliant. You're going to love it. You are. It's fantastic. Yeah. And, um, well, we're going to get straight into it. Peter, thank you for joining us, first of all. Um, no, pleasure. Pleasure. Um, also, thanks to the club for granting us permission as well. It used to be hard to get permission to do anything, but I think... You know, yeah, I think it's just all the, the ways and means uh, these days. We always try to keep a... Keep a check on us, make sure we're not uh, not getting up to any mischief or out like that. But, uh, yeah. All good, it's all good. Well, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit, <laughs> about Twitter and things <laughs> like that. But, um, I'm going to start off basically, take, just take you through um, basically the start of your footballing career and just sort of work our way through to Palace, really. And um, obviously you started your career, you're a youth player, you come through at Newcastle. Um, you're, a, you're a Newcastle fan yourself. Yeah, massive uh, fan. 
played under the likes of uh, Sunes, Rhoda, Allardyce, Keegan. Uh, of all of those as a manager, who was your biggest influence? Um, Sunes was my biggest influence because he gave me my debut. Uh, gave me the belief to go out and play in the Premier League and um, play against the top players and and make me feel that I wasn't out of place. Uh, I mean, it's, Newcastle is such a big club and, you know, throughout the years of me, you know, some of the biggest names in the game was there playing. So to, to actually go out and put on the, the shirt and play against, you know, I made my debut at Man United against Ryan Giggs and, um, you know, one of the, the greatest ever players to, to grace the Premier League. And he just gave me the belief to go out there with no fear and just go out and enjoy it. And at the end of the day, you know, whether I, whether it was my one and only game or I was going to make however many I made, it was, he always made me feel that, uh, I deserved my chance in that team, which was uh, something I'll, I'll be always be eternally great. Um, the, the one way doing some market, uh, it was helped me to, to sort of to strive to do better. Yeah, um, I suppose. I mean, the, you, you sort of mentioned you made well, you made a fair few appearances, really. But I mean, obviously, did did you sort of feel any um, additional pressure sort of coming through because it was the team you supported? Um, not really. Uh, in, in, a, in a funny roundabout way, there was there was less pressure on the local than there was if you were uh, bought for big money. Um, you were seen as the one living the dream, and you know the fans were almost forgiving. Even if you made it, you knew it meant to put. I know the least I give is a hundred percent when he crosses the, the white line, but you know you kind of half feel in a way that they, you know, they would forgive a bad pass or a, a missed penalty or a missed whatever, um, because they knew that at the end of the day you were putting in um, probably more than than the rest of the players because, like I said, you knew what it meant to put on that shirt and. Uh, you know, every time I went out for for something to eat afterwards, or you went out with your mates, so they were all complimentary about you. Even if you'd got beat on the on the day of the game or or whatnot, they were always they were always really good to me, which is something again, uh, which is really really uh, grateful to. Brilliant. And obviously, you left Newcastle after not renewing your contract after making you know a number of top division appearances over a number of years, and you had a, a few kind of key injuries at, at key times and. Do you feel that you could or should have played more at Newcastle and how tough was it to, to leave the club or you know, did the motivation to play games simply make it a straightforward decision? Yeah, I mean, that, that, was, that was my motivation for leaving. Um, I don't have any regrets in my footballing career, to be honest, because I always think, you, you know, you make of it what you can. and uh, It was a wrench to leave, to be honest. It was, it was really a gut-wrenching decision. I'd, I'd been there since uh, 11 year old. Um, and Newcastle, to be honest, was all I ever knew. I'd never been to, uh, sort of south of the River Tyne, other than being on holiday or playing football. You know, it was uh, it was a big decision to make. I was still relatively young at 20, 24, um, but I, I don't regret leaving. You know, it, I got an in, a bad injury. I don't. I tore my cruciate in my last season there, and I only made uh, a couple of appearances. And if I hadn't had that injury, then who knows? But that's that's the it's probably the biggest word in football or the biggest word in life. Um, yeah. But like I said, I, the, my reasons for leaving, um, while I made them with a heavy heart, were, well, I believe, the right ones in the end. Um, I, yeah, I mean, obviously, um, well, I suppose it's, we, we've seen it with, with players who've come through our youth ranks. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, 
sort of young players tend to get um i'd say an easier ride really sort of you know lo- young local players and but it's the same we saw sean scannell for example leave and, and go up to huddersfield and you know a, a few people i know know sean and you know that was that was a wrench for him as well so it's, it's yeah it's got to be tough you know even though you, you know your motivation is to just play games yeah, because at the end of the day, I mean, people don't realise at the end, you've got to learn to live, like, on, on your own, and live by yourself, and, and do your own cooking and cleaning, um, you know, I wasn't, I mean, I had, my, I had my own house up in Newcastle, but I still used to take a bag of washing out of my mum and dad's, or go, and, you know, if I couldn't be, if I couldn't be bothered to cook me tea, I would go around and uh, my mum would cook me tea, so it's, it's just easy, it's, you know, it's, it's easy having people around you, like, all my friends were up there, you know, my girlfriend at the time was up there. Everything was there, and it was—it's—it's uh, it's a total life-changing decisions. You know, and you—you you see it nowadays with you know foreign players when they come over to this country. How long it takes to adapt to uh, to new life and new cultures and things like that. It, it's still the same principles for for you know for the English players over here, because you know, especially for young young kids who, like you said, scans. Wolf's going to find it. Uh, obviously moving up to Manchester in the summer. Uh, There's players, I mean, I spoke to Darren Ambrose the other day, and, you know, he misses London uh, like a hole in the head. You know, his family were all settled down here, but he moved for the opportunity to play at Birmingham and Mm. and misses London. It's just something that happens in life, and it is is hard to adapt, uh, especially coming from Newcastle. I mean, Jermaine Genus many years ago was... I don't know if he's quoted or misquoted and saying it was like a goldfish bowl where everybody knew your, your business, but it, and it is like that. Then you come out to London and nobody really gives two hoots about footballers down here. It's, uh, you can kind of walk among the crowds and nobody knows who you are, where you can't really do that in Newcastle, which is, has its advantages and its disadvantages. But like I said, I don't, I don't regret making the decision, decision to move from a po- uh, footballing point of view. And I, I also think it made me grow up as a, as a, as a person as well. Mm. Well, away from the area. Yeah, certainly got you got you more games as well, which was noticeable in, in doing some research. Uh, talking about sort of growing up in Newcastle, I know Gel's got some information from someone who who knew you as well. Gel, <laughs> hello Peter. <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's nothing embarrassing. I've got a friend. His name's uh, Alex Smiles, and he he's a, a, a scout for Liverpool. He lives in oh, Bay, and he and he's a Sunderland supporter. And I said to him, "Look, oh, we God. got." Rambo on the Somebody's radio. Somebody's got to be, I suppose. Somebody's got to be a Macam, I suppose, isn't there? Well, he turned around and he says, he said uh, that when you were uh, at Newcastle, you were one of the rare people that actually went down and watched the reserves. Um, uh, he also told us about your dad being a, a, a rugby referee. Yeah, he and, is, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and, uh, and he said, mention a guy called Jack Hickson. Yeah, Jack because uh, he was one of the one of the nicest men and most knowledgeable man you could ever come across in football. Yeah, no. He, I mean, was, he, he was a he was a he was a big scout up in Newcastle, Jack. Um, he sadly passed a few years ago, um, but he was famous for discover, uh, discovering Alan Shearer. Uh, that's right. Shearer the Juniors. Yeah, Shearer and and Michael Bridges was his his two um, players, or I suppose you could say his marquee players that he. Uh, that he scouted. I mean, he he, he scouted one of, uh, one of my best mates who's now living in Australia for Burnley. I mean, Jack used to work all over the northeast, and every Sunday morning you would see him if he was at one pitch. You know, he would be he'd be leaving to to go to another pitch to watch another match, and 
he did, I mean, he was he was in well, he was famous. He was and he was, but he he was also he was one of the nicest uh, nicest men you could ever come across. He knew everything about you. You knew you before you even met him. He knew your mum and dad's name. He knew where you were from. He he really was just such a lovely, lovely book. And you know, I, I went to I went to his funeral, and Alan Shearer done a, a a lovely and moving um, sort of eulogy on his life and he was it, 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 seeing somebody like him who was one of my heroes um, speak about in the way that he spoke about Jack I mean he, he'll tell you himself he was almost like a second father to him he kept in contact uh, with him after he moved down to Southampton until you know the day the day sadly died which is uh, says a lot for a man like Alan Shearer to say that about somebody yeah exactly Okay. Oh, well, I've I've got to, I've got another question, um, and it's just, it's basically you joined QPR on a three-year deal. Um, did you have any other interesting options, and why did you choose them? Yeah, I did. I had uh, Glenn Roder was the manager at Norwich, and um, I had a meeting with Glenn, and I had a couple of other sniffs, but Norwich and QPR were the two clubs that are, that I um, sort of showed the real the real firm interest in. And, uh, to be honest, at the time, QPR had just been taken over by uh, Flavio Biotori and the Mattels and, and Amit Batir, and I just felt they were a club going places. Uh, they had the, had plans to sort of redevelop the training ground and uh, and things like that. And I just I just felt it was right. Um, I knew a couple of a couple of boys that were there, um, and everything that they spoke about was uh, was positive and. And to be honest, London was was a massive attraction as well. It's always been a city I've been intrigued by, uh, and the chance to move down. Well, it was going to be an eye opener, and and it did take me a long time to settle into. Uh, just it just felt right to to move to QPR. Mm. Um, I've just noticed that that is me next. That's for, that's how professional I am. I forgot it was my question. Oh dear, I get worse every week. Um, but basically, uh, yeah, you had that three-year deal at QPR. I think you agreed an additional year, and um, it was after agreeing that additional year you had joined uh, joined ourselves on loan. You had the sort of that initial month's loan, and then we extended it up to sort of uh, sort of January. I mean, what's, what's your main memory of that first spell at Palace, and you know, how did you take to the club? Um, to be honest, I got a phone call. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd signed the year with with Real Warnock, but he made it obvious that I was back up to his plans. Um, and if I wasn't going to make his 25, he'd get me out on loan as, as, as soon as he possibly could. Uh, I mean, I'd be forever grateful for giving me that year because the year before I'd, I'd, I tore my other cruciate uh, in my other knee. So I missed, to be honest, the whole of the uh, the promo- or promotion winning uh, season. So when the chance, I mean, he just he ring, he rang me up one night and just said, listen, I've got, you've got the chance to go to Palace for a month, get some games, see how it goes, uh, and you can come back and, and see if you can get in my my 25 and as soon as I came down I mean I knew Darren Ambrose uh, from my time obviously at Newcastle uh, so I rang Dad and uh, and asked him about the place and he had nothing but positive things to say about it. I knew Paddy just from playing against him I and mean, I played against Paddy when he was at Man City as a kid uh, oh. so I'd, I'd known him for, for quite some time and it was an interesting it was an interesting uh, to come down and just just play football which was what Dougie Stressed, Kleine, I think it just broke his foot. Was it maybe at Crawley or something in pre-season? So um, while initially I wanted to come in as a centre half, uh, he said that I'd be playing at right back, and 
and I enjoyed my that, that initial month um, and a few sort of few only well really only a week into it he said he really wanted to to extend it and uh, and use me as cover for for all positions which when I was more expressed that I wasn't going to be part of the plans at QPR I was I was really looking forward to to extend my stay which luckily enough I did and we you know that first two three months of the season I think was probably our most successful uh, part I mean I think we got up to yeah, fourth in the league and you know we obviously we had that amazing cup run as well so it was yeah. it was nice to be part of, be part of all that in the second half of the season, you went to Birmingham. You had a kind of a great run there, playing playing in that centre back position. Was it strange playing half a season for two different clubs? And how was your time at Birmingham? Uh, I loved it at Birmingham. Um, you know, Dougie Dougie wanted me to stay. Um, you know, they brought in Paul McShane on a month's loan, but he said that was only going to be a month that he wanted to keep me for the end until the end of the season. But uh, for what, whatever reason, it never happened. Um, and I went back to QPR, and I got a phone call off. I think I played a reserve game back down at Palace for QPR and uh, Lenny said that he'd had Paul Trollope who he, he worked with I think at Bristol Rovers who is now at Birmingham with Chris Seaton uh, and said he, I was going to get a phone call of him that they wanted me to go up there and it was funny Lenny sort of saying it because Lenny being assistant manager at the Palace but uh, he kind of put in a good word for me and, and I went up there and we, you know, I played 15-16 games and was and amongst the, the, the playoff uh, games as well, which was something I'd never experienced. But I really enjoyed my time at Birmingham. It was, it's, a, it's a great club again. Um, I've been fortunate enough to play at clubs where I've, I've gone in with a good set of lads who have, have made me feel welcome straight away. Uh, again, I knew quite a few of the Birmingham boys. I played with Stevie Caldwell at, uh, at Newcastle. I knew Curtis Davis from, again, playing against him. And, uh, which you find in football anyway. So it was it, again, it was easy to settle in, and uh, like I said, we had a, a good end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, or for, unfortunately, whichever way you want to look at it, beating Palace, which almost secured our uh, playoff spot. <laughs> yeah, so I remember how strongly Birmingham finished, and looking a little enviously at that. Um, sorry, Joe, you're in next. Yeah, following QPR's promotion, uh, you were released and began training with Palace. Um, we signed you for the season whilst Dougie yeah. was here. You'd always said Palace was a place you'd be happy to return to. Did yeah. you expect to, to play as much as you have and in the centre-back position? No, I didn't, to be honest. You know, uh, when I came, Dougie rang me. I was, I'd just come back off holiday uh, and Dougie rang us and uh, said, if, you know, I just asked my situation. I, I kept in touch with him. Um, even going into Birmingham, he, you know, he rang us just to... to uh, after, well, after obviously we played them up at, at uh, St Andrews, but he kept in touch. And then in the summer he just rang and said if I wanted to come down and train to get fit, if anything was to come up, then I could do so. And uh, I was still living down here. I still had my, my house sort of in, in uh, Sunnydale by Ascot area, so it wasn't too far to commute up and down. And a few weeks into it, he just said he'd like to offer me something. And, but I, he did stress that I'd probably be back up, which, to be honest, uh, I had nothing anyway. Uh, it was, you know, a bit of a footballing call last summer. There was just nothing for anybody. So mm. the, the chance to sign for a year and be back up um, was was fine with me. I knew I was going to have to work my socks off to to get a to get a chance. You know, I think they just brought out obviously a, a young Aaron Martin in from Southampton. Uh, there's Paddy. There was Paddy as well. Um, so, uh, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, at this, before the exit again, Paddy got his his groin injury and. 
uh, and obviously he's not been available since, but it gave me the opportunity to play in my preferred position where I've always felt most comfortable. And to be honest, that from a personal point of view, the season's been a dream to have played so many games, but in in a team which is which has been successful so far. Mm. Well, I think you've, you've really really settled in that centre back position. I think if anything, you know, you know, people were obviously very fond of you from your first spell here, but I think really you, you did surprise a lot of people just how how quickly you sort of gelled in that position, especially when Damien Delaney came in. I, I'll talk to you about him in a little bit. Um, actually, go on, Ben. It's your your question next. Yeah, I was just going to ask. Obviously, when when Dougie left, how did the squad feel in general? Were you as, as shocked as the fans were? Yeah, you know, I think there'd been there'd been a lot of speculation about what was going on. Um, I think we'd just gone up to Bolton uh, and beat them one nil. Uh, then we'd gone to Wolves and beat them midweek. So we knew that the Dougie was getting looked at by, by probably not just Bolton but other other teams as well because mm. you know what he's achieved with probably one of the smallest budgets in the league. Um, and especially, you know, the the amount of young players that have come, that have and had come through under his guidance, not only being a manager but previously working under uh, the previous managers before him. I think it, there's a lot. There was a lot of clubs looking at him, so it wasn't a surprise that you know a club of size and stature of were looking at him. But for him to, uh, you know, I think he maybe said that he didn't want to go, and then yeah. he went. Um, I think the boys were just disappointed that he'd gone. He's you not only he's a good, he's a very good uh, manager, but he's a really nice bloke. And you know, like I said, somebody that I've I've kept in touch with since he's gone. You know, he's been helping me uh, just with sort of, sort of like my badges because I'm in the process of doing them. I, you know, he's always mm-hmm. said that if I need uh, any advice or you know need a, a helping hand or anything, that he's always on the end of the phone, which is a uh, a testament to to the the man he is. And like I said, I think that's as long as well as him being a, as a good manager was, you know, more of a disappointment as to why he left. But um, he chose to leave, and you know, we all respected his decision and uh, and wished him all the best. Mm. I mean, obviously, it is football. I mean, it do, it does happen, and you're sort of used to it. But see, from the fans' perspective as well, given his history at the club, it just just seems so out of the blue I can remember laughing when I heard Bolton link with him I mean, obviously you know, you know Bolton are a big club but yeah. just just never saw it coming really um, obviously the new manager is Ian Holloway um, I mean what, what would you say that the, the main the sort of main differences um, to be honest they're quite similar in, in their approach to the game their, their methods and training their, uh, I think the gaffer I mean the gaffer's just he's just the gaffer if you know if, if you know what I mean I mean he's <laughs> He's this pantomime character, I suppose you could say, that everybody just loves to sit and watch and listen. Um, he's got a story for every occasion, and he, ha- he has the boys in stitches. Um, you know, he's, he, he tells us, you know, about what he's, what's gone on in his life, and it makes you just appreciate what you have uh, as, a, as a family. You know, obviously, he's got three three kids who are profoundly deaf and yeah. the way he's had to cope and deal with that is, is nothing short of uh, inspirational um, which uh, it's, you know it's probably every parent's dream uh, dream nightmare to, to find that out but the way he's been able to, to deal with that and I think he's that's probably, probably helps in his makeup and his character and as to why he's I mean he'll probably hammer me for saying it but why he's a little bit of a lunatic you know just <laughs> in, an, in a nice way um, yeah. but he's no. uh, that's just how he is and, and that's how he, he goes about his life he's always got a smile on his face nothing ever gets him down um, which is 
it always keeps us having a smile on our face and appreciate, you know, that the fact that we go out to to work every day on a football pitch, will mm. be sun rain or whatever. No, I mean he's. We, we were fortunate enough to sit down with with him and Steve Parrish and have a chat with both of them quite early on, and uh, he certainly was. It, even then, he, you know, he could see he wasn't completely sure of his surroundings. You know, he was saying he's just getting used to the club and used to the people and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, when he talks, I mean, obviously he's exactly like he is on TV. When you see him on TV being interviewed and stuff like that, it's just, yeah. it's just that's him. That's, that's who he is. But you sort of, you kind of feel yourself, you're forced to listen. And, you know, you kind of hang on every word by the end of what he's saying. He's, he's a very inspirational character, I thought. But um, one of the things that kind of gets questioned, and, and as fans, obviously fans like ourselves, the whole reason we're here, really. We, we like to over-analyse everything and sort yeah. of go into insane amounts of detail and all that sort of thing. And one of the things that people have sort of picked up on, um, you know, and obviously we're getting to the tail end of the season, but um, but there's been a lot of question marks over the sort of the um, the level of fitness and training. I mean, obviously the, the days of, um, you know, Ian Rush having a glass of milk and going out to play and what have <laughs> you, that, that, those are well and truly over, but like, I mean, I'm assuming from your perspective, the training is as, is as hard and as fitness-focused as it was under Dougie? Oh, yeah. That's the one thing that Gaffer tried to, uh, is trying to carry on. I mean, we've got Scotty uh, as the fitness coach, who is probably one of the best I've come across. Um, the training's tailored around, around him. Uh, if, I mean, we've, we've done the bleep test the other day because he wanted to gauge our fitness levels from earlier on in the season to now, so he can start his preparation for pre-season. Um, that's the focus around trainings, around the fitness, uh, fitness or how fit we, we are. And I think, you know, I know results haven't gone our way in the last couple of weeks, but I don't think it's been down to our fitness is why we've been, uh, the results haven't been going for us. I think we are probably one of the fittest teams in, uh, in the league. Um, and that was, you know, down from what Dougie tried to uh, to rectify, and or what he's seen as a problem maybe in, in previous uh, managements, and he and he tried to uh, sort that out. And and the gaffer's come in, and he's just tried to add his touches in in the football training to to what we do fitness-wise. I mean, we're forever uh, doing double sessions. I mean, it's the bane of the boys' lives is coming in and seeing a double on the on the board for training schedules but we know that there's a reason behind it and if there's an extra day off then we know there's a reason behind the extra day off it's everything that we we do is um is is based on what scotty thinks is best for us to to maximize our performance on a football pitch i mean so i mean you've not got any ideas about about the recent, you know, any ideas about why there's been a, a, a drop in form as such over the over the last sort of three months? Really, you know, it's it's uh, it worries the fans. You know, and these are the type of questions that we get asked because we're doing the radio station all the time. You know, if you ever get a chance to ask the players or or anybody, you know, um, I mean, I know like every game now is a cup final, and but you mm-hmm. know, it's you know from from people from what people you know the way that the beginning where everyone had the arm, and it, and it turned round to this unbelievable run, and now mm-hmm. it seems, you know, at the moment we can't really buy a goal, and, you know, it's only three games, but, you know, it's, uh, any ideas? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> if, you could, if you had the answer to that, then... You know, we'd be sitting pretty top of the league, you know, and having the 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 the, the title won. That would be, you know, if you had the answers to everything, then you'd be able to to, to win every game. It's just football. I think a lot of teams uh, have stopped our main attack and threat, i.e., Will Fignola. They've they've worked us out. Whereas earlier on in the season, we were, you know, them two were on fire and tearing each other apart. And you know, Will's got his move to Man United on the basis not only what he's he's done over the last. Sort of year, eighteen months, but mainly because of how how, how incredibly on fire he was at the start of the season. So you got to take other teams uh, or give other teams credit to trying to stop us play. But I just think you know, I, I, I mean, everybody is doom and gloom at the minute. And to be honest, it's, it's, it's annoying the boys that they are doom and gloom because yeah, it's four games, but considering where we were at the start of the season. And that, that's, that's what we say, Peter. That's that's yeah. the, the the people that can see beyond anything else. If you'd have turned around and said, if we just say we finished eighth or ninth at the beginning, at the end of the season, if if you talk to most Palace fans and said we finished eighth or ninth at the end of the season, would you take that? They'd break your arm. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I think I mean, you spoil us all a little bit, you know. Well, I think that's I, I think that's probably maybe you know. It, it, I, I can't I can't put an answer on what, or I can't put a finger on why it, just for four games why it hasn't happened. I mean, you take that unbelievable run we had at the the sort of the, the middle the beginning to middle part of the season. Maybe swap a couple of results that we'd been on our winning run with the, the defeats now and 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 we've been fourth in the league having you know them results swapped and everybody would be all roses in the garden and everything. Like I said, it, it's. We probably have been a little bit of a victim of our own success earlier on in the season. That now expectation is because you know, with all due respect, this kind of season doesn't often happen for Palace, and you know, we everybody wants to make the most of it. We all want to get in the Premier League. We're all striving to do that, but we all have sticky patches throughout the season. I mean, Leicester, um, with all their monies and uh, means to go out and spend like they spent one and a half million, two million on Chris Wood, was it in the in January? Yeah. I mean they're on a slump of form, uh, and they probably are in more of a crisis than us, considering what they've been able to go out and spend on players. And I mean we the players aren't suffering from any form of confidence uh, or lack of confidence. It's just 
not happening for us at the minute and we're trying my hardest to, to put it right but I think you know the more you try in life the the, the less it happens for you you know Sometimes we just got the harder it becomes yeah. exactly yeah exactly but I mean it's uh, we had a few choice words afterwards in the dressing room and I think that's just a, a, a boiling out of frustration of how actually how much we actually want this I mean to be honest I'm 29 Damien's 32 I mean we were both taught in the Glens that uh, 29 were and merely 29, 29 the summer, we don't know how many more opportunities we're going to get to be part of a successful, successful team like this. So I think, you know, it's, it's, it's not getting to the players, but I think it's just, just showing how much we actually want it. And I, sometimes I think because we're, we're losing a few games that the fans don't realise that in a way, that they don't realise that we actually want it probably more than them. Because, you know, they're going to be around long before, long after we're gone. But we want to be part of a of Crystal Palace team who, you know, is talked about in the same breath as the team that, you know, took Man United to to a, re, uh, a replay all those years ago at Wembley. And yeah, the point, team with yeah. Chris Coleman and, and, and Richard Shaw. I mean, we've got a, a collage of of all the successful pl- uh, times that have, that have been in Palace at the, at the training ground. And we want our pictures on, on that collage in 5, 10, 15, 20 years' times. And we want, we want the fans to be... You know, remembering us for the team that literally was on the brink of going going extinct one year and going into the Premier League the next. Uh, it's that's that's how much we want it. We want to be part of that, and because it's not happening over the over the, uh, the last couple of games, I think people are worrying that we don't want it as much as they actually think we do. Yeah, well, and that's that's been the criticism coming from from I'd say a small minority. I think oh, the, the sad the sad thing is obviously the the sort of the dissenting voices, if you like, are the ones that are loudest sometimes. Um, yeah. I think I think obviously I mean, obviously you guys are aware of that as well. You know that the majority of the, the fans are just in behind you, and you know obviously the majority of those that are saying negative things are only doing it because because they care so much. But but yeah. basically, you know that it's football, isn't it? We're right. This is what it's all about. It's coming to the the very end of the season and you know everyone's getting all tense and I mean sort of on that on that subject really we had a question from uh, Ben's significant other Harriet uh, Ben you didn't, you didn't want to ask the question yourself you no, I'll, leave you, Chris. I'll leave you to right, that. and uh, I know Harriet's very fond of yourself as well Peter I think <laughs> oh, Ben's, Ben's a bit worried about that as well <laughs> <laughs> but um, obviously you, you yourself and, and uh, Damien Delaney were sort of very notable presences on Twitter and I used to be massively amused by your 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 tweets and what have you, cause especially yourselves and Andre Moritz as well with the, yeah. sort of coffee, the coffee club. All good <laughs> fun, but um, as ever, someone's sort of come along and tried to spoil it for everyone by uh, by sort of upsetting the, the apple cart, so so to speak. Um, so, I mean, what is what is that break about? And uh, Harriet wants to know when you'll be back as well. <laughs> I'll be back. I'll be back as soon as the season's finished. I think we both will be. To be honest, we just. It's been something I've been actually, well, we've both been thinking about for a while. Uh, it's, it, it, it wasn't a spur of the moment thing, and it wasn't, I know there's a lot of people have been saying it's because of the, the, the abuse we get. I mean, we do realise that the two of us probably are the most frequent users of the site. Um, and we like to, I, I mean, I love being able to interact with the fans. It's great. I love it because at the end of the day, I'd be one of them fans following uh, you know, my Newcastle heroes. It's it's and and football and people all or whatever in life. But um, we just came to the decision that you know it's it's time to concentrate on the football. Um, obviously, results weren't going well. We just got stuffed down at Brighton, which was you know the worst feeling in the world. 
uh, and everybody came on and, and had their frustrations, uh, which they're entitled to. And we do realise that, you know, going out, or going on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, you, you put yourself up for uh, for that kind of abuse of, of, of the minority, like I said. it is, And like you said before, it is a minority, and, and they're entitled to their opinion just as much as everybody else. But it was just a, a collective decision between the two of us that, you know, maybe we should just concentrate on the football a little bit and have a bit of a break. And But, I mean, well, we'll, we'll, we'll be back. We'll be back on it. I love, I love being able to go on there and, and banter and demo. I mean, half the time you sit next to me and we're just thinking <laughs> of little things to try and annoy each other. It's, just, <laughs> uh, it's, it's brilliant. But it's... And, I, and I, I think, you know, 99.9% of the people who follow us or, or who are Palace fans like it as well because yeah. the end day shows that we're just human beings as... Mm. as as they are, just because we get to wear their their shirt on a Saturday or Tuesday or whenever, it doesn't make us any different to them. Uh, and we like having a bit of banter with fans as well. You know, some of the tweets that we get, it, we sit there and we laugh and giggle ourselves, and and like that throw you know little comments back, which is it's nice to it's nice to do, and it's nice yeah. to be a part of. Because at the end of the day, we're all we're all in it together, and not just the players and the staff. The fans are there. They they you know eat, sleep and breathe the club just as much as we do. Uh, it probably means that a little bit more to them because it is their club, but you know, it's nice for us to give a little bit back to them as well. But it, it, it wasn't the, the minority, like the, literally the 1% that comes and abuses us that, that we decided to, to come off it. It was just purely and basically, like you said, it's the business end of the season and you know, time, to, time to focus and go to work. Right, sounds perfectly reasonable. We've got a couple of quick fire questions and then we've got some questions off of Twitter, then we'll let you go. So, uh, Ben, you've got the first thing. Yeah, just a little question here. Um, we found out that you used to be a striker. Um, I did. In, term, in terms of goals, were you uh, a Glenn Murray sort of striker, 30 goals a season, or was it a bit less? No, I was, I was a 60 goal a season, to be honest. <laughs> Mother's put me to shame. My roommate, I'll be brutally honest with you, this is a true story. I got, when I left, the year before I went to Newcastle, um, I played at Berwick Rangers Juniors, and my dad was a manager, and uh the one, the year that uh, we won everything, I got 68 goals in the season, and, <laughs> and rightly or not, correctly or not, I don't know if it, it, it still is, but it was a, it was a record back then. So I actually did go to Newcastle as a striker as well. Um, it was just the one game that I played. We had uh, JC John Carver, who's the assistant manager at Newcastle now, was mm. our, our manager at the time, and we had 12 centre forwards and six players to play in the rest of the positions. And he said, has anybody played centre-half before? And I'd never played anywhere other than centre-forward. So Muggins think, here thinking, I'm going to get 90 <laughs> minutes here. I stuck my hand up and said, yeah, I can play centre-half. And I've never looked back. So who knows, I could have been, I could have been the Glenn Murray of, of well, Palace if I hadn't have been daft. You had, a, you had a little finish this year, didn't you? Now, to be honest, I don't remember the opposition, but you will. To be honest, I could name every single one of the Ivers. Either Leeds, Watford, <laughs> uh, I can't remember what the other one, Leicester or right. Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough was, Middlesbrough was the goal of the season, to be honest with me. <laughs> Very disappointed it's not been bad. Mother got, mother, mother stuck one in the top corner from 30 yards. I've had a twist past three defenders and put it underneath the keeper and, that's it. and he that's gets scored cool. once I was got it to be honest but never mind <laughs> no that was a striker's finish that really was it was <laughs> exactly the thing is he's because mother's it's from a corner and mother's had it to me and he's screaming at him at me to lay it back to him and he was still mourning even though I'd scored when we got off to celebrate I don't know if you could see it on the goal he's mourned to me that I haven't laid him off so I think he was on he was on a hat trick or something at the time yeah. so <laughs> that's just oh. typical mother to be honest 
I'd have mentioned how many hat tricks he's missed through missing penalties. Myself. Exactly, yes. that's exactly my point. <laughs> I've never oh, missed a penalty in my life. Pete, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've, I've seen you uh, on Twitter going on about your golf, and uh, what's your handicap? Nine. Nine, Nine okay. it is. And, and uh, who's the best golfer in the club? Me. You are? Hey. I am. Okay. <laughs> got some Nobody wants to take me on, that's the okay. thing, we've been... We uh, we had a little golf school. We had a little golf school sort of last season, uh, and we went for a few games. It was me, Stephen Evenson, Andy Dorgan, uh, Gars, Moxie, um, Darren Ambrose played a bit, but nobody ever came anywhere near my score. So, oh, well, there you there go. go. Um, okay, we've got some Twitter questions for you now. This is from somebody whose uh, Twitter name is Just Impossible, um, and she says, "What's been your favourite moment with Palace?" Um, Hopefully ooh, it's still to come, really. But yeah, well, yeah, that would yeah, that would that would be an answer to that. But um, probably the Middlesbrough goal, um, not just because of the goal, but I mean, I hate that lot. If I'm honest, purely and simply because <laughs> I've told I've told I've told my right knee playing against Middlesbrough at the Riverside when I was in Newcastle, and I told my left knee when I was at uh, QPR, both against Middlesbrough. So I was, you know, I spent two years out of the game because of them, but also because one of my best friends, his wife is a Middlesbrough daft, and she, uh, because of the injury, I mean, she was the only, she, she loves, I love her a bit, I love her like a sister, but she always laughed and she laughed at my face when, when we got beaten, especially when we got beaten 4-1, I think it was, up at the Riverside, and she was there. So to come back when, and us to win 4-1 and meet a score was, was the best time of their best personal moment. Yeah. But also the fact of scoring at the Holmesdale end as well. I mean, yeah, yeah. it was always something that, uh, I mean, it might sound a cliche, but it's always something I wanted to do and luckily enough to do it. And yeah, great goal to do it as well. Okay, uh, next up. Yeah, uh, we've got a question in from Parag Patel and he says, have you ever experienced a shirt fiasco like the one on Saturday? And, you know, was it was it confusing playing against a, a team in the same sort of kit? No, I've never come across it in my life. It was, oh, it was a farce, to be honest. I mean... We were happy enough for them to wear their home shirts. Uh, I mean, it's not... I mean, if I'm passing to a Barnsley player who's in a red shirt because I think he's, he's wearing a Palace shirt, then I need my eyes tested. Uh, <laughs> I think the referee's issue was the underarmer, that if he'd seen it in a handball, um, if he'd seen a handball, he wouldn't know which arm's which. You know what I mean? But, yeah. I mean, I, I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but, I mean, if you've got two... You know, you've got one white man and one black man in the team, you know, how do you can how can you tell which arm's which, you know what I mean? It, that's that was his issue was the under armour shirt and it's nothing that's nothing that I've come across and to be honest we were all a bit bemused by it and bless Bry, the the kit man, I mean he does bugger all anyway, but you had to go <laughs> to the, the club shop and get sixteen new shirts and sixteen print sixteen different names on the shirts and whatnot, so he was doing his, uh, he was doing his nothing, which was actually quite nice for us to see them doing actually doing a bit of work. But uh, it was a fiasco that I've never come across, and uh, a little bit weird. But officials, that's what you get. No, it was yeah, very odd from the stands as well. I can tell you. Um, Brad Kampenyak says, uh, "This is an interesting one. How will you celebrate when you score the winner at Wembley?" I that means I'll go mental. I will go mental. <laughs> You'll not see me for a month, to be honest. <laughs> if, if we go up by Wembley, I mean, I think there's, there's a few of the boys have said that, you know, bless me, missus, and, and the little, and they'll, uh, 
we'll probably forget what I look like after I finish celebrating if we do go up that way. But and and, and if I score the goal at Wembley, you're never going to hear the end of it. It'll just be <laughs> that eulogy will or that that image will be put on my gravestone. Yeah, uh, that's it. Will will be. It'll be the the best feeling that I'll have. I'll, Bar the, the birth of me littling and, and getting married, I've got to say that obviously, but obviously, yeah. for, the, for obviously, for the, yeah, I'll get me I'll get me head kicked in if I don't. But <laughs> but that football from a football point of view, that would be that would be just a dream. Yeah, no, that's, that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's what you're exactly. playing the game for. So, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Right, uh, Johnny Kyle's tweeted in. He said, "I've got a couple of questions for him. First one: Does anyone at the club call you Rambo? And if you could play for any club, what would it be?" Uh, everybody calls me Rambo. It's only my mother calls me Peter. <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's how, how it's always been, even through school and and everything. I've, I've, I've always either been I was Rami back up home, but Rambo down here. Nobody's ever called me Peter. Uh, and one club would, um, to be honest, it would be Newcastle because that's just my club. Uh, it just it's just something you know. I always live and dream that one day I could play again. It's never going to happen, but. Uh, and I'm happy where I am, but if you could ask for one club, I mean, everybody says Barcelona and Real Madrid, and yeah, it would be great, but it would just be more to me to be able to play for my hometown club again. Mm. Um, well, isn't, is there a um, like a non-league version in Newcastle you could play for much later in your career or anything? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a lot, but geez, I don't fancy coming up against big seven-foot-tall gorillas <laughs> who want to kick you from pillar to post. I'm, I'm quite happy in the. Uh, I'm quite happy where I am at the minute, to be honest, and, oh. and long may it continue. Yeah, fair, fair dues. Um, and last question, really, is from uh, Bob White on Twitter. He says, um, "What's the difference between defending in the Premiership and the Championship?" Um, oh, good question. You come across a lot more. Uh, what would be the word to use? Battle hard centre forwards in the in the championship, you know, the ones that like a like a bit of a rough and tumble, uh, and a bit more of a battle. Whereas um, in the Premiership nowadays, you're, you're coming up against one centre forward. Uh, the way that teams are setting up these days, you know, you see Man United uh, kind of converted Rooney from from a centre forward into a number ten. Uh, he's dropping off and playing from deep, and you're only really up against Van Persie. And I think if you look throughout the Throughout the league, that's the, the same kind of system. So, the championship, you, you you're coming across more four-four-two formations than you do in the Premier League, and uh, you haven't to be more on your toes because there's there's more players to, to mark. Um, the pace of the game is obviously a lot quicker uh, in the Premier League, uh, and you've got to be able to as a defender. You know, I head it, and I'm, I'm, you know, I head it and kick it. That's what I do. But you know, in the Premier League, you see. I mean, the gaffer's got a good example for for us to look at is Ashley Williams at Swansea. I mean, he remembers a player at Stockport, I think, if memory serves me right, yeah. in the lower leagues, and you know, a guy who couldn't trap a bag of sand over the gaffer puts it. Now he's, you know, being coveted by Arsenal and Liverpool and all the top teams because he's able to to defend as a defender, but also be able to to play, which is. Uh, which is what you're having to do nowadays is um, be able to do both sides of the games and, and that's what you find more in the Premier League than you do in the Championship that you've got to be able to do uh, do the head and kicking it but when you kick it you've got to kick it to a, somebody in the same shirt as you and, <laughs> uh, and keep the ball uh, yeah. which okay. is sometimes hard to do <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I was going to say. Um, yeah, like you say, especially if there's just the one up top as well. But um, yeah, well, that's the thing. You, and, and normally that one up top is is, probably, is is one of the most intelligent players in the park. I mean, you look at Luis Suarez. Um, I personally think he's he's one of the best centre forwards in the Premier League, and he's he's shown it this season. Um, regardless of what you think of him as a person and as a uh, on a, uh, as a, on off the pitch and things like that, but as an actual player, he's he's one of the best around, and he never has you uh, resting on your laurels, or he's always got you thinking about where you should be and where he is and how you should be defending against him, and that is the kind of player that you you're coming up against more and more in the Premier League nowadays. Okay. Uh, if we can just end with um, something I picked up on you saying earlier. Talks to, uh, say said you were talking to Dougie about your coaching badges. Uh, how long have you been doing those, and, and sort of what's the long term aim? Um, I started a few years ago um, when I was at QPR. I started with Hilly and Deza, um, Clint Hill and, right. and Sean Derry. They were they were doing their badges at QPR, and I jumped on board and I done my level two. Um, there's five or six of us uh, this summer going over to, to Ireland with Paddy's uncle. Uh, I think if Paddy's uncle's got something to do with the Irish FA over there, and right. we're going to do our B licence uh, at the end of uh, our summer break. Um, and hopefully, if I pass that, I can do my A next year. Uh, and then that will be sort of opening up the chance for me to, when I'm finished, go and do my pro licence, which is, is something I want to do. I mean, my, my aim after I finish is to go into coaching. Um, with all due respect, I don't see myself being a desk worker nine or five. It's mm. it's not something that interests me. It's I want to get out there and and still be involved in the game in some capacity. Uh, I've always sort of have dreamed of being uh, an academy coach and uh, and working with young kids and, and bringing them through. Uh, that's what I've always strived to do uh, mm. or strive to to do when I finish. Whether it happens or not, I don't know. You don't know what the future holds, but that's what I'd like to do. That sounds great. I mean, does, do you think maybe you could be tempted into management? Uh, management's not something I'm interested in, but like you said, you just never know. When the time uh, comes around, you don't know what what the, what, what life's going to throw at you. Uh, mm. I would like to if I would like to go into to, to management per se, i.e., be a coach mm. under somebody. Um, it would be like an assistant manager or something like that. Uh, I think I've, I'd be more useful that way. I, I'm not. I'm a shout for a ball on the pitch, but um, I don't know if I could be cut up to make the decisions that you know the gaffer has to make as to to dropping players and things like that. Well, but that might change, you know, in a few years' time. I mean, I'm only 29 now, so yeah. hoping to to have a few more years in the game. And and by the time I get uh, to my mid to late 30s, I might become you know uh, more battle hardened and uh, and want to do it. But yeah. I've always wanted to, to be honest, to go into the academy side of things, and it's something I'm, I've been talking to to Ben Garner and Gary Is it about doing mm. maybe next season? Because Desert oh. helps out with uh, the, one of the younger age groups at, at Palace, and, and David Wright before he left to go to Colchester was involved in uh, the youth the youth team. So it's it's something that uh, that I'm I'm going to look to do maybe next season and to to go in and just helping out. And uh, I don't want to step on anybody's toes or anything like that, but. You know, I want to be able to say, kind of get my foot on the ladder in, in, that, in that side of the game. That's absolutely fantastic. All right, well, listen, we're going to let you go. Um, I'm going to very, very quickly mention that, um, obviously, we've talked about how behind you the fans are, and obviously on a personal level, uh, when we basically put the idea of, uh, of sponsoring yourself, um, 
on the, onto the web, Homestay website. I've never in my life seen so much money flooding so quickly. So that's <laughs> so that's a, a measure of just how how much the Palace fans do value you. So obviously, you know, we're really happy um, that you're with Palace and that you're you're you know helping us hopefully get to the Premier League. So obviously, no, thanks for no, I, I, I want to personally thank you the lot of you for doing that as well. It's it's uh, an unbelievable gesture. It's not something I've uh, I've ever thought that uh, that would happen in my time. You know, I've always been. Always, I always sort of see myself as like a Marmite player. I either love me or I hate me, but I do feel uh, I did feel the love when you when you set that up. So I do want to personally thank yourself and, and everybody who, who donated as well. Yeah. Uh, I never gone so, for so much money in my football in my life. It's, uh, <laughs> it was brilliant. No, it was, like I say it really did emphasise to me just how you know. It's, I've never heard anyone say a bad word against you since you've been back. So I mean, uh-huh. that's you know that's, that's, that's nice. generally there. So listen, thanks so much for talking to us. Well, thank you for having me on the show. Well, hopefully we'll talk to you again. Yeah, you Thanks, will do. Thank you. Thanks so much. Take it easy, guys. Bye. Cheers now. Bye-bye. And if you're interested, um, five-year planner actually have some um, Rambo T-shirts, I believe, uh, on sale. If you go to fiveyearplanfanzine.co.uk. I should really check before I start speaking, shouldn't I? Is it .co.uk? Yeah, it is. Hooray! Um, but anyway, yeah, go on there. They're for, they're for sale right now. Brand new. And, um, yeah. Fantastic stuff in the shop and merchandise section. Ah, that was good, wasn't it, chaps? That's great. It's nice to have complete honesty, really, isn't it? Mm. Well, legend. Yeah, yeah well, we, we, we'd been we'd been told what a cracking bloke he was, and I think that proves it. Um, uh, yeah, very very quick. I don't, do you know what? I was going to sit here and have a chat, so it was something like more like a proper show for us. But um, really, I, I don't really think there's any sort of need to add anything to that. No, you're um, right. See ya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, obviously, we're, we'll be back. I think. Well, this is this is being recorded. I don't want to spoil the illusion for you, but um, at some point there will be uh, <laughs> this will be broadcast, and then the following week we'll be back with a regular show. So thank you for listening, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Oh. Bye. Oh, oh, hang on. Oh, <laughs> oh, I've done that wrong. Mikey, edit that bit out. <laughs> You're not going to edit that bit out, are you? I hate it. No, it's not. It. Time off. Um, we're actually back. When are we on, back? Um, we're back on Friday the nineteenth, uh, where we're doing live coverage from the uh, Robert Eaton Memorial Fund, uh, Brighton versus Palace supporters game. Um, I'm not sure. I think Peter Ward is playing for Brighton. I'm not sure who else. Um, for Palace, we've got Eddie McGoldrick and Simon Osborne playing. Uh, James Daly, a five-year plan, is also playing in that. There's various other Palace supporters as well. Uh, we're going to be bringing you live commentary of that. Me and Ben are going to have some sort of an effort at trying to identify people that we don't know uh, for both Brian and Palace. Um, we're trying to do it visually as well. Uh, just keep your eyes peeled for that one. Um, we'll be announcing it on Twitter and Facebook and on the message boards and things like that. So Friday the 19th, live coverage of the regular Robert Eaton, Mem- Eaton Memorial Fund game. And uh, if you don't know what that is, just Google R-E-M-F and find out. So uh, really appreciate it. If you do listen to that, we don't obviously... It's a charity thing, so we'd love you just to donate. Uh, we don't want any money ourselves. Just donate to that, that fund, and that's what we're doing it for, is doing our little bit for charity because we're too rubbish to actually play in it. So, um, so thank you very much um, to anyone who does donate, and uh, I really would encourage you to do that. So we'll be back. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. 
Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.